Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Georgia Diaz, who is an Alexander Technique teacher and professional singer in Amsterdam, Holland. And we're going to talk today about the Alexander Technique and voice and singing. Georgia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. Georgia, could you begin by just giving our listeners a very short description of the Alexander Technique? From my point of view, the Alexander Technique is a way of moving better, a way that you're conscious, you get conscious about what you're doing with your body. And so you can move better and you can sing better and any activity that you can possibly think of doing, you can do it from a freer way because you learn how stop stop muscle tension, extra muscle tension, and you encounter your full instrument. I think of the Alexander Technique as a way of meeting my own instrument, my full singing and speech instrument. Mm-hmm. And you, um, I believe you. we spoke before the podcast, you, you've been a professional singer. You sing uh, Bossa Nova, which is um, a Brazilian uh, uh, yeah. kind of singing. You're from Brazil originally, is that right? I come from Brazil. You come from Brazil, and you you had been singing for quite a while, and at some point you encountered the Alexander Technique. Could you say a little about that? I've been on stage for 15 years before I met, before I came in contact with the Alexander Technique. I didn't know what the Alexander Technique was. I was in search of my own voice as every singer is always in search of their own voice, as, as if it was something out of ourselves. And then I met Via Via, I met somebody who told me to go to this teacher who did this strange technique, this funny technique, she said. Mm-hmm. And um, then I met Ron Mardock, who was my first teacher, and he uh, he told me to lie down on the table and uh, to get my instrument tuned in, tuned up, let's say. And I thought it was a weird singing lesson, but I never felt as good. <laughs> so I decided to go further and see where it would lead me. And um, under his advice, I stopped doing all kinds of exercises for some time, of course, because by the time I was practicing and practicing and practicing on my old habitual way, so I was not getting anywhere further. So I stopped doing all those singing exercises, especially the breathing exercises, and I just lie down on the floor daily, and I got in touch with my instrument and the floor, 
And in about six months' time, I had a whole octave extra in my uh, in my range, and my breathing was just working. It was I didn't have to think about the breathing anymore, and my voice. I ha- I, I I met my own voice through stop doing all the things I was doing and uh, giving myself more space so that the voice could just come out freely. Mm -hmm. And did after that, say, six-month period, did you find that some of the exercises you were doing before were worth reintroducing? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Even my whole repertoire, I was singing, I was uh, reviewing my my whole singing. Because it's not the exercise that is, uh, the, the exercises are fine, but it's how one does the exercises. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to bring out. And I think it might be worth just elaborating on that a little for our listeners who might not quite understand that. I mean, it's something that's pretty clear to us Alexander teachers, but yeah. the exercises you were doing. Um, and I'm certainly not a singer, and I, I don't really have any idea about the specifics, but whatever they were, and no matter how useful they potentially were, mm-hmm. I think the idea would be that if you were doing them within the framework of of a certain, perhaps you could call it malcoordination, or not doing it, not doing them well, um, that they could they wouldn't have a lot of use and potentially, I suppose, could even be a bit harmful. Absolutely, because I had terrible lower back pain. My knees were starting to get away, uh, starting to get out of each other. But I didn't, at that time, I couldn't connect all this through my my way of... uh, practicing and my way of breathing mm-hmm. and the exercises are fine as long as you know what not to do because normally especially from my generation i think most of the singers from my generation were taught how to breathe through the belly mm-hmm. and uh, belly breathing was a very common thing luckily that is changing nowadays Still, people are doing things. And so I was forcing my abdominal muscles. I was forcing uh, all all the muscles that I thought was necessary in order to sing. I was pushing them to the limits in order to reach a note, a sound. Mm -hmm. And when I stopped doing all that then I stopped shortening those muscles and then I had the full length of my instrument because what I what I found out through working with the Alexander Technique is that the range of your voice is through the width of your instrument and the support of your voice is through the lengthening. So when you don't shorten, when you stop pulling yourself together, the shoulders together, which is normal uh, in in the breathing circuits, and then pulling the shoulders together, and then you have to do more uh, 
effort with the abdominal muscles. Otherwise, the sound won't come out. Mm -hmm. so, so, so do you find now when you sing, uh, and you're you're that the the amount of say physical effort you have to put in to produce a good quality sound is less than it was before. Absolutely. Nowadays, I can instead of of putting all that effort in order to to get the sound going and in order to feel that I did a good job nowadays I can just really be in touch with this with the song with the emotions and uh, and I can spend all that energy in into a, a relationship with my band and the audience and so singing becomes a much easier task because when when you stop doing all those shortening with the muscles, which is, in my point of view, is only through the Alexander technique that one can learn that. Once you stop doing all that, then you gain, you stop losing your energy, you stop throwing your energy away, and then you have all that energy for your own, uh, to, to, to put your emotions out and to be in touch with what's happening at the time, on the time, and every time. So, in the Alexander technique, um, you know, is often described as a way of of getting out of your own way. That is, stopping doing things that you might inadvertently be doing that are that are creating blockages or restricting uh, your physical ability. But having said that, say once you learn those basic principles, uh, I assume that in for a singer, there still is a role for some specific training uh, methods or exercises. Would that be a fair statement to make? There is, there is, of course, it, it is... You're not going to run a marathon without training first. Mm -hmm. And in the singing, the same. You need to know, I think, first what not to do mm -hmm. with the muscles because we are all taught and being pumped with the ideas of how to breathe and how to produce sounds. So you, we need to, to first get away from that in order to go to, to really meet what we uh, how to use our instruments and then you can train the voice then you can go do the exercises which are exercises it's like when you go when i go biking i am exercising my body and when i'm going uh, when i'm singing i'm also exercising my body in a different way mhm mm Mm -hmm. And and so it seems like maybe what happens a lot of times is that the, the the sequence is reversed from what it should be. That the that the first thing would be to learn what you shouldn't be doing, and then learn specific training methods or 
strengths. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of musical training in general goes wrong, not just with, with, with singers, but um, in general, in general yes. with musicians. I, I did an interview with an Alexander teacher uh, a few months ago who said uh, the thing about she works a lot with musicians and she said um, instrumentalists said musicians generally don't know really very much about how their body functions. Instrumentalists know virtually nothing, and singers know stuff, but what they know is wrong. Does that yes. does that sound reasonable to you from your Absolutely. own experience? Because I know you you obviously work with uh, in your teaching now. I assume that you work with yes. singers and instrumentalists, yeah. And you found that to be true in your own teaching. Well, the instrumentalists, they know a lot about their own instruments and know very little about their own bodies. Well, yeah, they know about their musical instrument, but not about their own sort of, as you say, their bodies. Their first first instrument, yeah. And really the more important of the two instruments in a way. Absolutely, yes. Now, uh, one thing, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, the singer, the singer, because we are our own instrument, the the singing and speech instrument. It's it's your own body, so the singer knows a bit more about the body. But it's uh, in normal singing circuits, the the singing instrument goes from your diaphragm up up to your soft palate. And from the Alexander Technique point of view, you find out that even your feet plays a part in it. So mm-hmm. you have to really get down to your first to learn about your instrument. And and once once you meet all that, once you are able to work with the technique, then you can train the voice further. But I always tell people that the best, best way of training the voice is really just to sing by pleasure. If you have pleasure in what you're doing, then you're not busy with how to do it. You're just doing it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, uh, you know, the, the the two groups of people that I can think of who have a reputation for being sort of naturally good singers, uh, at least in the past, were um, Welsh coal miners and Italians. And, um, you know, in Italy, you can walk down the street and some, some guy will just be singing. And I don't, I'm not as familiar with the Welsh situation, but, but I think there was just a tradition of singing as part of daily life. Not, and, of course, out of that came some pretty amazing uh, Welsh choirs and so forth. But I assume that the Italians and Welsh people and probably other groups uh, just somehow maintained a tradition of singing for fun. Because, you see, the singing is the expression of the soul. Singing is your, the expressions of your emotions. And if in some cultures, like the Italian and the Welsh, as you say, you are singing because you're celebrating life. And uh, in Brazil, too, we normally get, uh, we don't get bedtime stories uh, to people reading or mommies reading we get songs. And so people are singing the whole time. 
And therefore, you're also maintaining your instrument. People that don't believe, that believe that they cannot sing, they, they won't. And, and then they will have even more trouble when they decide to go and take a singing course or go to a choir because the instrument is, is only being used for uh, speech. But you, can, you are only working with a whole instrument when you're singing. Mm-hmm. And, and indeed, singing is just being in touch with your emotions and putting it out. And the voice, what is a good voice? For me, it can be something totally different that the, than what it can be for, uh, for you. And uh, mostly people think of a good voice as, as, as some very technical uh, voice, which can also be, but mostly very technical voices without the emotion, they are boring. It's mm-hmm. very boring to listen to. And uh, if you listen to Louis Armstrong, mm-hmm. he's got a, a frog's voice, mm-hmm. but he's in touch with his emotions. Totally, he's in touch yeah. with what he's saying. And it becomes wonderful. Right. I, I need to put wonderful. in a little plug here for, for my favorite type of music, which is American uh, classical country and Western music and bluegrass. Mm. Uh, those guys and, and girls... Um, they sing from their heart and they come out of a tradition of singing also being just part of life. And and you listen to them and the emotion is right there, right there. Easy, easy to, to, to sense. So I think that's another, just another example. But you know, one thing I would like to just ask you about quickly, maybe before, uh, before we, we, come to an end on this conversation one thing that I've noticed and I I suspect you've probably encountered this as well that if you're working with a singer and you help him or her to really free up their voice and a beautiful sound comes out sometimes you will get a reaction from the singer oh that can't be Uh, I'm not doing the work that I have up until now associated with good singing Exactly, and it's exactly. so strange, and and that's it, and it's one of the nice aspects of group work. If you have a group of musicians, they can, you know, valid va- verify what you're saying as a teacher. But I've had that happen over and over again when a voice would just free up, and and the the student felt, oh, you know, it. I wasn't putting the right kind of. Uh, I don't know, right kind of effort. They might not use that word, but basically I think that's what they're saying. I, I didn't work hard enough to make that exactly. happen. Yeah, that, that is one part because you can see your instrument is free, your whole body is free, so the voice can, can, can just merge. And, and another very important thing is that once you meet that freedom, your your sound is bound to change. And the ears, they are another sensor. So those sensors that are telling us how to behave, how to sit, how to move, those are based on habit. So once we change, once the voice is freer, once the instrument is freer, the voice is freer and comes out different, 
So if we are bound to hear it in a different way and we don't recognize our voices as being our voices anymore. So mm -hmm. that must be wrong. Those senses are telling you, no, 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 come back. Come back to where it's recognizable and just work further mm -hmm. on just struggling mm -hmm. through it. Very and, disconcerting for, for yeah. singers when that happens, I've yeah. noticed. Yeah. yeah, and working with groups is indeed very important because you can give, people can give feedbacks to each other. And mm -hmm. I also normally record the sessions, the, the private sessions also, mm -hmm. so that they can hear it later. They can hear it back and say, hey, that is, so they can hear themselves, the, so they can judge for themselves. Exactly. And then yeah. you have a choice. Then they can have a choice. You can go on working from the old principle of just working for it, working hard and doing your best, or just step aside, get to your full instrument, the freedom of the instrument, so that you you have to train to know what you're doing, but especially what what not to do, and then really get your emotions out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that we're we're getting kind of towards the end of uh, the yeah. time? Anything that that we haven't covered that you would want to add before we end? Well, I. I don't I, I, I don't know right now. I cannot think of something else now except that singing is is just an expression of the soul. And if you keep on singing from the heart mm -hmm. and from the freedom of your instrument, you're not bound to go wrong. Another uh, one thing, yes, one thing. Normally, people tend to get stuck because Alexander Techniques tells us so much, shows us so much what not to do. So s people are bound to get stuck and don't dare to go do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they they, right, right. they can get stuck into, oh, I, I cannot do it. I'm not going to do it. So once you meet that kind of freedom, you have to use it to go do something. And in this case, you have to use it to go sing or use your voice. Right. And that dilemma is uh, that, that what you just talked about is something that comes up not just with singing, but with, with really any activity. And that's where an Alexander teacher comes in pretty handy to, 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 to show you that, yeah, you can still do things. You just don't want to. That's wanna, the whole idea. It's the whole idea. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, uh, my my guest today has been uh, Georgia Diaz. And Georgia, I'm going to ask you to say one time your name pronounced properly because I haven't done that. <laughs> Would you do that for us? Well, the pronunciation in Brazil is uh, Georgia. Georgia Diaz. Well, there it is. And if what we've been talking about um, resonates with you and you live in Amsterdam, uh, contact uh, Georgia. We'll put a link to her site uh, by the interview. And if you live anywhere else in the world, we'll put a link to a site that will help you find a teacher a anywhere in, in the world. Georgia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you very much, Rick.